Hi, this is Sarah Tebow. And this is Liz Bernstein, and we are the hosts of the Side Woo Podcast. This is a space to investigate what makes a creative life possible. From the mundane to the sublime, the physical to the metaphysical. Welcome to the Side Woo. Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of the Side Woo. This is Elizabeth Bernstein, co-host, and this week I'm excited to bring you a conversation that Sarah and I had with Alice Shaw and Lisa Z, founders of Pivot Workshops. Alice and Lisa are clairvoyant healers. They met over a decade ago while attending a three-year-long training program to refine their psychic skills. They have a YouTube channel called Behind the Surface, Seeing Beyond What Your Eyes See. And you should go check out their YouTube channel to listen to them do clairvoyant readings on the super topical important issues of the day, like the war in Ukraine, overturning of Roe versus Wade, and what is happening with inflation. In this episode, we pretty much touch on everything. Clairvoyance, mediumship, how to lead an integrated life, and Lisa's past life experience as a rock, just for starters. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation Sarah and I have with Lisa and Alice of Pivot Workshops. I'm here. Can you guys hear us? Hi. Oh, I see your faces. Okay. We just read you and I really, I don't know much about you guys at all. And hardly even knew what you looked like. So when I was reading, I was like, wait a minute. I see a lighter haired person and a darker haired person. Who's who? Sarah was on the left and Liz was on the right in in, in the reading entirely. And we recorded it. So we'll send it to you. Amazing. Can you give a two line summary of the greatest hits of the reading? Let's wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Very low impulse control. I know. (laughs) Oh, you know already. (laughs) That came up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do too, just in a very different way. Right. We saw. (laughs) So do you guys want to introduce yourselves for the sake of people hearing your name associated with your voice? I'm Lisa. And I'm Alice. Together, we're Pivot Workshops. We're both photographers. Alice is a fine artist, and I'm a commercial photographer, and um, we're both clairvoyants. Amazing. Well, and also artists. I would say Alice is truly the artist. I've been working in an artistic way commercially for over 20 years, but have I been creating fine art? No. But will I have the opportunity now that I have something to say? Yes. (laughs) Lisa and I have a lot of things in common. And um, we make a good team because we have so much in common, but then we also have different strengths that we bring to our partnership. When we were doing your reading, we saw parallels, which we'll discuss later in how we work. (laughs) I'm going to try to not just jump in popcorn style with every question simultaneously. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea that you work with the present and the past. It does seem to be a cornerstone of healing, like whatever you're doing, that you stay in the present. It's obviously very hard for our minds to stay in the present um, and to use the past productively and not just to re-traumatize ourselves, basically. (laughs) I would love to know more about your concepts of clairvoyance and healing. How do those two things go together? It's a good question. Well, clairvoyance is, as, as we've stated many times, is clear seeing. So we see pictures, which really is appropriate for who we are as individuals in this lifetime. We're not mediums. Mediums are the people who invite spirits in and talk directly to them or spirits come into their bodies and talk through the person. That's we, also known as channeling. That's channeling. We're mm-hmm. not that, but we get similar information. And we do have spirit information that comes in. It's just dissected differently. How clairvoyance relates to healing is, um, so some people come to want just information. I call those informational readings. They're very basic surface level. They're the people who are concerned with what outcomes are going to happen and they want to have control, which is all of us, right? We all want control. And that's what we're suffering with the most in this lifetime is 
holding on to this um, idea of control, which when you do what we do and you open up the pipeline to universal knowledge, you realize control is an illusion. Um, <laughs> and really, we can't control anything. Mm -hmm. And then we have the other readers who come in who are suffering with what I like to call patterning. So an example would be, I always date the same person. What's going on? Mm. Why am I doing this? Or my mother and I cannot seem to get along. How can I change this? In the case where people are working with patterning, that's the kind of work we like doing. We can shift the energy and that's, that's the exciting mm. part. Yeah. It's not just giving information. And, and how we do that is, I always like to say that when we're reading, it's like walking into someone's art gallery of their issues. I like to see the first picture is the issue. And that usually is a, it proves our, our psychic abilities, which I'm not there to do. I'm too old for that now. But what we do is instead of just pointing out an issue that they already know is there, is we take that picture off the wall and then we go exploring. Mm. It's like going down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. And you just keep asking why this is showing up. And that's when the magic unfolds. You know, and it could be anything from past lives, mm -hmm. childhood memories, programming from television and society. And what we do is we facilitate a healing. So my readings, and I know Alice is probably too, get really, really heavy and dark. So you have to be, you know, pretty thick skinned to show up with us. It's not <laughs> yeah. for fair weathered folks. We don't do anything scary, but it's for people who really want to heal. And at the end of the reading. Really shadow driven. Yeah, you're pulling a lot of shadow stuff out, essentially. And you have to be ready for that. And at the end of the reading, the last 15 minutes of the read is a healing. And that's where we start letting go of that energetically, because we're all energy. That's all it is, is energy. Yeah. These beliefs are energy that's stored. Yeah. And um, we're holding on to so much in our bodies that that's what creates disease. So there's so many reasons to start doing this work on yourself. Yeah. I just had a question where the information comes from, because I'm surprised to hear you don't consider yourselves mediums, because if you're not connecting with a spirit to get information, that's kind of what I was thinking that you probably are. So in what, in what way do you differentiate yourself from a more traditional message medium? My healer said something that I always think of. She said, our thoughts are not our own. So what she's meaning by that is that our thoughts don't stay in our head. Our thoughts float around. They float around outside in the world and other people can connect to them. And so we decide whether we want to connect to them or not. And so a lot of people who do this work actually learn how to do it purposefully. One thing that I've been trying to teach my kid is when he gets in a bad mood, I'm like, it's time to change the channel. Mm -hmm. Like go to a different channel. Yeah. <laughs> and that's partly what we do in the healing mm -hmm. is help people shift to a different channel. Well, and that's the basis of meditation too, being mindful about investing in thought patterns or. Yeah. That's one thing that we don't learn in school. Like how to yeah. control our own thoughts. Your brain is this crazy runaway train. And no one really teaches us how to use it. If you have really good parents, they're going to do that for you. But otherwise, we're just thrown out into the world with these right. yeah. crazy things going on in our head that no one taught us how to. It's like a it's like a horse nobody trained. <laughs> right, and we're taught to, we're right. taught to fill up these minds with so much information, and then some of the greatest minds are deemed useless because they're emotionally challenged. Um, so we like to say what we do with pivot workshops is teach the things that you didn't learn in school, but will help you along your path with the things you did learn in school. Mm -hmm. So basically become a full functioning human being. <laughs> we need both. We need the spirit and we need the logic. We're not the kind of folks that are dismissing the logic. Well, Sarah, you were, you were asking kind of where we get this information. And one thing we do is we, we get permission from the person we're doing the reading on. Mm -hmm. And when we get that permission, we we see a color and we're, okay. we're matching on this color. And sometimes so I tell the person what color I'm reading and sometimes it, I don't think it matters. Uh, sometimes you say, oh, I'm seeing a purple and they go, well, that's my favorite color. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, and so as soon as we get that color, we have an in. And of uh, course there's stuff that we just know from walking around in the world and, uh, and sensing things. But generally, when we do a reading, we ask for permission because do we want to walk around knowing everybody's business? No. No. <laughs> 
You have to set up mental boundaries. You know how to turn it on. I feel like we'd win a prize if we could explain how we really do this, right? People have been trying to articulate this for centuries, but um, I like to say with clairvoyance, of course, the word language, this is a whole nother topic, right? The Mm -hmm. word medium. Yes. I would think we would be called a medium because we we are a communication in between two worlds. That's a medium, right? But in the psychic arena, it's not. Well, I think it depends on who you talk to. Exactly. Because we just had Amy Major, who is a spirit rescue person. She's like, mediumship is just one soul connecting with another. Exactly. And so it doesn't matter where they are, earthbound or otherwise. Anytime you check in with your guides, that's mediumship. Right. I like to call it pipelining. We skip talking to the spirits. This changes all the time. So I want you to just take this with a grain of salt because this is my take right now is that I like calling it pipelining in. So we pass the next dimension, which is the astral level, Mm -hmm. which is full of other spirits. And that's when mediums are connecting, they're connecting with that next dimension with people who have passed. We go straight to source, which is, I believe, and this is my belief, and it doesn't have to be out there for everyone, that we're one. And we're all aspects of the one. And we pipeline into the one and that person's spirit and the, the individual who is playing out on this planet and their issues. So that's the only way I can articulate it. It's kind of like just sidestepping these folks. But mm-hmm. those folks come in because in yeah. a reading, sometimes they're a nuisance, to be honest with you. Mm. When spirits come into a reading, you're like, oh, back off. <laughs> I want to get beyond your take. It's like asking someone's best friend about mm. them instead of going into their diary. <laughs> I've been training to do it where you check in with their guides. And then all the information is filtering in through that. I'm curious, is there a point when you were doing that and then you decided I'm actually getting more limited information? I need to go at a different frequency. Okay. We we were trained a particular way. And what's interesting because you can at will try to pull it, dissect information from that realm if you'd like to. But again, mediumship you're born with or you're not. Interesting. And I know for a fact I'm not a medium. Yes. Okay. That's also controversial based on our last interview. I felt like you were saying that in one of your videos. And I was curious to hear more because it does seem like a lot of what you're doing is something that you learn to develop. And I guess I was curious if you thought that's something that people can develop. Well, also just to add in about Sarah is this is one of the emotional underpinnings for the side woo. No pressure. No pressure, (laughs) but is to expand people's felt ability to connect with energy. To democratize that world. And demystify it a little. Yeah, but that said, (laughs) we're open to your point of view. I was just curious. So obviously Sarah wants to get into a fist fight about this. (laughs) (laughs) So we're all intuitive. Yeah, everybody. Everybody. We're we're animals, right? Animals are intuitive. Yeah. Um, And in some way they're smarter than we are because they don't have language that gets in the way. Love that. But not all of us are mediums. And the people who I know, who I went to school with, who were mediums, thought they were crazy. Yeah. And, and I have a feeling there are a lot of people walking around there who think they're crazy. Yeah. Because what they're doing is they're channeling all this information that's coming through them. That's, that's not really their information. But once they learn how to control that, they're the superstar of what we do. Yeah, it becomes a superpower. I always call mediums a blessing and a curse. I can't tell you how many times people want a mediumship reading from me and I have to tell them that's not what I do. But at the same token, those folks suffer a lot. If they find an understanding in what they have, it's wonderful. But if they don't, they're the folks who are wandering the streets. Mm-hmm. They're the people totally. who are diagnosed as schizophrenic. Bipolar. They're the people who are bipolar mm-hmm. um, because they don't quite have control of themselves. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's something that we just talked about, Liz and I, because I have been training as a medium and found out I have this ability that I haven't really learned to harness. And for a long time, I just thought it was severe trauma response. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh my God, some of it was, you know, related to trauma, but a lot of it wasn't. And had I had some training around this 20 years ago, a lot of things would have been different. And I'm doing really well compared to people who, like you said, are homeless. And luckily I had family support when my mental health was good. But just this conversation mm-hmm. alone will be eye-opening for certain people. But there's no facts, you know, backing this up. There are not. 
it, but it's just, it just is an is. Um, and if it gives someone some comfort that perhaps there's something more metaphysical happening to them, I mean, we win. So yeah. just having this conversation is a win. That's a healing for someone. I feel like I also say this all the time. So Langston has autism. And mm-hmm. so I've gotten very into dissecting why people who are neurodivergent, it's always described in the deficiencies and not in the strengths. Mm -hmm. So it's always just, it's comparative. And it's like, this is what you don't do and don't do and don't do exactly like a neurotypical person, rather than this is what as your brain is perfect, whole and complete as it is, this is what you do. And this is what you do. How wonderful it would be to see things described in their potential rather than their limitations. Correct. Is it based on people's suffering that it would transition from something that's considered tapping into, like if somebody with schizophrenia does not have mental illness, where's that line? We've watched people who were bona fide on the street, schizophrenic, take hold of their lives through meditation and through the, the healing work that we do. Like, completely. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mention names, no. but there's several. Mm-hmm. And you're, I mean, the kind of people who is like, oh boy, we have to deal with so-and-so today. They're here with us today, mm-hmm. but are now completely self-sufficient. self-sufficient. And I, yeah. And happy. Oh, and by the way, I just want to sidebar. As we were speaking, someone contacted me to do a reading for a mother who has an autistic child. Oh, <laughs> wild. Very, how was that one? And I have a lot to say about autistic um, children, but this is the sidebar off of this conversation. Um, you, um, they're the saviors of this planet. Okay. <laughs> no, they have the pieces of the puzzle to many things due to their focus, and it takes um, a particular parent to foster that. So you've been given a gift, and you're a well, gift. We have left planet mainstream, and that's one of the ways I have tried to protect his gifts is that he is more vulnerable to the toxic nature of the mainstream than somebody who has more that they can consciously or unconsciously put up. Mm-hmm. So we are we are now just we're we're mm-hmm. in the unschooling world. We're just in a whole other planet. Can I ask yeah. a tangential yeah. question about Alice in Wonderland though? It's like going down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. Oh yeah, we were just talking about Lewis Carroll right before mm-hmm. you said that. Because we're in this shared space together and we did a reading for you guys, an absentee reading before you came in, we're all in the same space together. So that's why all these things are happening. That's how powerful, this is perfect because this is on demand right now, um, showing showing everyone how your thoughts mm-hmm. can dictate everything in your life. So imagine if you use them productively right. and within groups and individual settings. Like we just, we just created something. Well, I think too, the idea that when you have anxiety, you're just like, oh God, I'm me alone with my anxiety, but it affects everyone. Your anxiety is not just something for you. It's a way to be more connected to your community and not just this like burden that you shoulder alone. You know, also anxiety has, well, it has a lot to do with the future, but it also Mm. has to do with looking inward Mm. and when we stop looking so inwardly and start looking out, that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. That's when we see, start seeing coincidences and and getting messages and and really connecting into that intuition because we're not like me, me, me. Um, so you're going to ask about Lewis Carroll, Liz? Okay, I was going to ask about Lewis Carroll. We are tangent friendly, obviously. <laughs> Basically, we're a big (laughs) podcast of yes. Alice, I was looking at your website and I'm not a scholar on your work, but I've I've known your work for years and have followed it. But I've never seen the Belloc and Lewis Carroll portraits together. Mm -hmm. And I cannot emotionally handle how powerful that work is. I am obsessed with Belloc. Mm -hmm. I have wanted to get Belloc's ladies tattooed all over my Uh body. (laughs) He's my like cornerstone of love for the photographic medium. And I could talk about how his work communicates. And for years and years, it's disturbing to see the Lewis Carroll portraits of these children who are mimicking the the body language of, and for our listeners, Belloc photographed in brothels in New Orleans. And he photographed working ladies, but in a very human, empowered 
and not performatively empowered, like humanly empowered way. And you see them, their bodies, even in undress, have a sacredness to them that is different than the way usually female bodies are seen in undress. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, now I'm going to get off of the uh, lecture teacher mode. <laughs> I, I lost my mind with that project. <laughs> Did you find Lewis Carroll's photographs and connect it? No, I think one of the reasons I chose photography is because it's a good way to translate my observations into the world. Because I think half the time I'm taking pictures, I'm I'm looking at things and thinking, does anybody else notice this? Mm. And so the reason I photograph it is so that I can show mm. it to other people to see if they agree with me. And so at some point I was looking through so E.J. Bellick is one of my favorite photographers. They're so mysterious and beautiful. And the relationship between those women and the photographer is is really like no other relationship you've seen. And then <laughs> the photographs that Lewis Carroll took of these young girls are beautiful and disturbing at the same time. And they're both outside of what is acceptable. <laughs> and so... I had these two books and I was looking through them and and looking at, I'm just going to call them the muses and noticing that they were in almost exactly the same positions, these um, women in the brothels and these little girls. And I was trying to figure out how am I going to put these together? How am I going to show this? And so what I did was I made lenticular photographs so that when you walked past them, mm-hmm. they would switch. I, I just basically scanned the pictures out of the books and, and made these comparisons. Mm-hmm. So you'd walk by and it would be an older woman and a, and a, a younger girl. Does anybody see this? Is everybody else noticing the same thing that I'm Photography is so clairvoyant. I actually did write that down that you were both photographers and thought that was interesting. Well, I mean, how we got together is it's funny because of that. Oh yeah. Tell that story. Oh, it's a good story. I never get tired of this one. Um, so Alice and I both went to a meditation program for a couple of years and we were in the same school, but not classmates. She was a bit ahead of me and there was always a break and we'd sit in this common lounge area and there was always just a bunch of random people around and the teachers and we all breaked at the same time and Alice would be across the room. I hardly knew her. She was peripheral and I'd look at her and I go, Alice, one day we're going to work together. <laughs> I don't out of nowhere. And the teachers would just kind of, I could see their faces kind of grinning. And I would always be like, she'd look at me like, okay, yeah, lady. Great. Okay. Okay. And I, like fast, fast forward another six months, Alice, we're going to do something someday. Well, logically speaking, you know, because we're both photographers, one would think we would have been collaborating on a creative project. I would have never imagined that we would be on this runaway train together really. And I'm, I'm, it's really grateful to be on the journey with Alice. Like I said, we were not kumbayaing. We weren't yeah. great friends. I just mm-hmm. knew something. And then I kept her close. And then she called me to do an event, to do a reading for a bunch of oh. business women. And, and we both sat there discussing um, the needs out in the community because we were both ready okay. to give. We could see what was going on with people. Alice is a collegiate level teacher and I had taught oh, photo cool. camps in the summer because I've raised a child and he was off to camp. So I was creating camps and I had teenage girls, high school girls. And I saw the need that those girls had for our tools. And Alice and I, and Alice was discussing how she saw the need for her. She was teaching at Mills at the time. It was all women. I was there yet. I don't, I'm not sure where it was. CCA. CCA. Yeah. Um, well, she was teaching nonetheless, and we we both discussed yeah. how they would benefit from our tools, basically. Well, Sarah, you were talking about how, you know, if you figured out yeah. this whole mediumship thing when you were 20 years old, your life yeah. would have been different, right? And we're the same way. There's a little sadness of like, oh, man, if I had done this <laughs> before I went to college, it would have been so much fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been so different. Oh, my God. It's almost like everybody needs to have two years of this before they go to college. Well, I actually learned about energy work for the first Mm -hmm. time legitimately in college. I was in a sorority, which I think I've already revealed on a different podcast. But um, And we had this woman come in and she was selling these tapes that would help you like Mm -hmm. calm down so you could sleep better. 
but it was all about like pushing gold light through your body. And I had no idea what I was getting into at all, but it changed my life. My skin cleared up at the time. I was able to sleep and I got really good at it. And I just assumed everyone can. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that house was haunted too. Cause like my roommate wouldn't do it. And then she'd like go sleep in a different room. Cause it was like, I don't know, maybe there was weird things there, but that changed my life because I used that for 20 years, even though I didn't know the other stuff, I was able to use that as a way to protect myself from other stressors. And then I just held on to it for dear life because that's all I had, you know? You were probably protecting yourself from the ghost that was in the room that was chasing your roommate out, right? Literally, she'd be sitting there and I'd be like, you know, doing my energy work. And then I'd be like, okay, good night. And she'd be like, you know what? I just don't feel like I can sleep here. So I'm going to go into the chapter room. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. See ya. But now I'm like, oh, there was absolutely at least one ghost in there probably messing with her. You know, another thing I was thinking about, we were talking about mediums and we were talking about mental illness is if somebody who is a medium needs help, they need to learn to do it themselves. Otherwise, they're just going to be coming back to the same place. And that has been very much my experience. I've gone to healers in the past and have gotten help briefly. And I learned how they do things. And I feel like that's why I was supposed to go to them, not because they were going to help me. I've now been told that you're the only one who can fix that. And Mm -hmm. I was supposed to meet all these people to see how they do it, how they run their practice, and Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. know that I'm not alone in a community of people. It's it's hard to come out, isn't it? Yes. It's not not easy to come out. No, no. But then when you finally do it, you're like, oh, good. I can be myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's really not that big of a deal. I don't know exactly. if you guys feel like it is, but exactly. no, it's not big of it. Not a big deal because the people who need to be in your life will resonate towards you no matter what. But we found each other like you found each other. Well, um, I had a similar experience just knowing that I wanted Liz to be a co-host <laughs> a good six plus months before we <laughs> even talked about it. So Sarah and I worked at Royal Nunsuch together, my old gallery for two years. And that was a very, it was in the art gallery lane. And it was really creative, but you're still in the art gallery lane. You know, there's the limits of the art world. There is a containment. There's a containment and the art world has a lot of containers, (laughs) a lot of unwritten rules. And... Mm -hmm. You know, so after I remember saying to you, oh, it would be fun if we did something. And And I interviewed you for my first podcast that I did during COVID, you know, for Minnesota Street TV or whatever. And I thought like, maybe she'd want to come on again and be a co-host. There was some jamming and some energy. You were great. I hate that interview so much because I couldn't fucking get out of teacher head. I couldn't do it. I feel like now that I've had two years of a break from teaching, I can talk more normally, but I couldn't talk in any way that somebody else was listening to that felt like as authentically messy and dirty as one is inside. So anyway, I'm glad there was some time. Well, we've been, we've been discussing a lot, the eyes and the we's and you're a we and Mm. we're a we. And and you've mentioned this in our correspondence that you spoke to someone else who was talking about partnerships and the we, and it is a theme right now. So if we're discussing this, this means we're all resonating on the same plane because um, we've magnetized to this information. Um, so we're going to see a big tick and upswing in these we's and that it comes from the I, which is I've worked on myself. I have been working on myself. And now it's time to join with a we. The idea in life, or one I've come to realize in my understandings, this is not tactile knowledge, this is from here, from spirit, is that we're here to individuate, yes, but we get stuck in the individuation. A lot, particularly Americans. In other cultures, we don't see this as much, but they go to the extreme opposite end of being codependent. So, um, when we come to the we's, we're joining. So we've done the I work, and here's my we, Alice. And then we can go to the greater we, which is our community and our world. So we go through the cylindrical rings. And this is what is happening, particularly post-pandemic, because a lot of people have spent some time internally. And then mm-hmm. they're they're finding their mates out there who can be, and I talk a lot about staying in your own lane. But Alice and I are both in our own lanes, as you two are in your own lanes, but we're on the same freeway together. (laughs) And we have permission to be with one another on this journey for a spell 
to do whatever it is we need to do for the greater picture. And this is what's going on right now. Mm. There's a lot of polarity in the world and that's what we're suffering through. And a lot of the reasons that things are happening on a global level for us, we're polarized. We're on one end of the pole or the other, and there's no in-between. And folks like us are finding the in-between because we're working as the we. My idea isn't great. Your idea isn't great. But somewhere in between, we have greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now with I what we're that. doing. And we're happy to see that you're a we, too. <laughs> because yeah. you know our information is not unique. It is mm-hmm. not um the i that can that has individuated and continues as the i is operating a lot of times on ego and i don't want to throw judgment out there but most of folks in our arena and if you can we could broadly call this our arena people who speak on topics whether it be spiritual art whatever put themselves in the front but they have a whole team behind them working on things with people who have just as much information as they do but that person is sitting in the front to receive all the accolades. Folks mm. like us are breaking that construct. And even if we do grow this and we have more people teaming with us, those people will be a part of our we standing beside us. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's just a societal construct. I did this thing where we want to be seen and known mm-hmm. for our greatness and creativity. Nothing's creative. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing is. We have just, we're just repackaging experiences out in the world and commentating on them. It's the same thing in the art world, in politics, in all of it. Nothing is original. It's just who has, is resonating on the information the fastest and who's, who's executing it the fastest. Because we all, if we're sitting on a particular vibrational plane, are getting that information. That's how art movements happen. It's how how style happens. It's, mm-hmm. it's we're, we're sitting on that resonance. Yeah, it's social. So, I mean, that's my little sure. spiel about where we're at right now, but the wheeze. Well, I, the thing that really mm-hmm. just jumped out at me is that when people think about greatness, they think about you start in one space at the zero and you go up, up, up to the 10. And when you get to the 10, you're great. But what you just said was that greatness is in the middle. Everybody thinks Mm. greatness is the outlier. But that's a very different concept to have it like greatness be in the the limbs. There is like a book about great creative partnerships, the Lennon-McCartney's of the world, and how there's a certain crush relationship that you get creatively where you're like, oh my God, like we're jamming so hard on the same thing. It feeds on itself. But that wouldn't happen unless you had that friction and excitement about talking or engaging with the other person. Well, imagine because you could tap the the two, the pair into a greater group, like the four of us. And now yeah. how, how powerful are we as a four? But right. this can only happen when you start attaining a higher level of consciousness, which means right. working on the self. Yeah. So imagine what our world would be like if everyone really yeah. just took that time to, to take the brutal look at themselves and do the work. I just got chills when you said that. Yeah, I mean, this is why our world is the way it is. We have the brightest minds working on the biggest problems of the world, and they're slamming their head on the wall. It's because we haven't taken a time as a society to up-level ourselves, or we get stuck in the self. You know, there's this this quote that I think about from time to time. This woman said, first figure out who you are, and then figure out why you're here. Mm -hmm. And I think we spend a lot of time in our 20s and 30s trying to figure out who we are. And that's that's where the I is. And then you start coming out of that time period and you're like, okay, I know myself well enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know where my my pluses are. I know where my deficiencies are. Mm-hmm. And, and so then I go find those people who are kind of going to help me in those areas. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt real quick, but I don't want to lose the thought because they come in quickly. We need the we's also for our next level of healing. So Mm. we're mirroring, like when we read, we're getting information for ourselves. So when we're working together, when you guys are working together, you're seeing each other, your pictures of that you have to work through the the lens of that other person in a different way. So that's essentially the next up-leveling, even though it's not the I anymore, it's the we. And that's what romantic partnerships are, you and your children. Those are all partnerships to up-level and to change the way you approach things. That's how I like to put it. You just, it, all it is, is changing the way you approach things. And you can't change the way you approach things until, unless they're looked at. We're all learning from each so that's other. That's it. I was yeah. curious with 
the partnership around channeling, specifically the videos that you guys do together where you're saying what you're seeing as it comes to you. I'm curious if you figured out what comes up for one of you versus the other and if there are any themes around the way that you're being presented information or general things that you tend to gravitate towards since you're both doing it at the same time. We're getting either get pictures or information. Yeah. And there there isn't usually a theme that we see throughout all readings. But I will say before we do a reading, we do a contract to read. And that contract really dictates a lot. A simple contract would be, okay, today is June 23rd, 2022. No, it's May. Or May, sorry, May. Wow, that's future. (laughs) Whatever day it happens to be. I'm already a month ahead. Yes, it's May 23rd, 2022. Lisa and Alice are reading said issue whatever the issue is, we want to understand what, what's happening in, in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would put some intention on that and we'd say, please give us, so under the parameters, we're doing this for the public, give us information that's appropriate for the listeners mm. and keep it under 15 minutes if you could, or stop us when there's no more information and g- deliver this with clarity, ease, and some other words to describe what we want. And that's what we set the intention. But yeah. we never know what's going to come. We never, ever. Yeah. It's shocking sometimes because our brains want to make it a certain way based on experiences in life. And then it comes out the whole other way. But sometimes Lisa will be looking at something and then I'll jump on to it. And vice versa. And, and vice versa. I've done readings where there's like six of us reading one yeah. person mm-hmm. and everyone picks up a different thing. Yeah. We've done readings with maybe six other people, and we're all seeing almost exactly the same. Oh, wow. Then you try to jump off to make it more diverse. I'll jump in her area and dig behind what she's looking at to Mm -hmm. get some way more in-depth information, and I'll interrupt or she'll interrupt and go, oh, I got more on this. And you kind of push them aside and go, I'm over here now. Oh, cool. That's awesome. You'll find these things when you start doing more readings, how how it plays out. Yeah, No, definitely. I was just curious if it was something that you had become conscious of. When we do those readings for YouTube, they're they're usually uh, global issues that are topical and we can get precognition, which is future time information. And that's the only time we'll give future time information. I just want to put that little disclaimer out there. Liz was asking about uh, future time and past time and the future is always changing. So you don't want to tell somebody what's going to happen because it it kind of plants a seed right? and then they go in that direction. And, and we can tell so much from the past. A ton, a ton, a ton, but with global issues, perfect example is we, we had done a reading in the thick of the pandemic, what was going to happen with education because the poor teachers were taxed and it went off into a tangent on how the whole collegiate system was going to be frameworked. And I saw schools being consumed by larger institutions. And here it's happening mm. right in front of us with, I mean, yeah. right here, Mills, with Mills and Art Institute. And I would actually like to go listen to that reading again, because I think there was a lot of nuggets in there on, on the framework of how higher education is going to be playing out in the coming years. So that's a good example of how we use precog. But like I see. things like war and Things that can change the energy just based on a new player coming into the situation. I also think you feel less personally like I could change that. So the answers are less up for I'm going to test Lisa and Alice and put them under a hot seat scrutiny, sort of like a posture of challenging. Um, Whereas when you're talking about something more global, you know, it it has it's it becomes less about the individual and more about the world we are in. But if precog stuff comes in, in a personal reading, I tell them right away. I'm like, this is precognition. Take this for what this is. It could change tomorrow. Interesting. One of the reasons we don't look at the future is people who live in the future usually suffer from anxiety. Mm -hmm. People who live in the past usually suffer from depression. If you're Mm. in the present time, everything's usually perfectly fine. Yeah, (laughs) You can go to the future from the present. With some practice, you can do that. But when you can pull somebody from the past into the present, you're kind of 
resetting them. If you yeah. can pull them back mm. from the future, you're resetting things. I call those energy readings. Like instead of coming for a clairvoyant mm. reading or, you know, a psychic reading, I'm like, you need an energy healing today. Just getting someone into present time yeah. is a huge healing. And they're like, oh, this is exactly what I needed. Yeah. Well, your grounding cord was back 20 years ago. You haven't been grounded for 20 years and you have this other cord going out to the future trying to get information of course you're a mess (laughs) you know there's a great aa has like so many little phrases but one of them is if you have a foot in the past and a foot in the future you're pissing on the present per usual it's always a little grittier their sayings than like in i don't know maybe outside of the rooms but it it (laughs) it is very succinct about what happens when you are not um, able to recognize where you are, but only fear of what will be, of which I struggle. With. Imagine if we trained all all children before five years old yeah. just to ground yeah. and to be in present time. That in itself yeah. is life changing. Yeah. It's a, it could be a huge global shift yeah. just from that act. Or this grounding that you have, you can send all those yucky feelings in your tummy down your grounding cord and it'll all go away because these kids are wide open and can feel everybody. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. just so many tools. Sometimes we think we're not contributing enough. And then I realize how little people know and then it it makes me sad. And then I realize that even just like I said earlier in this this podcast, just one Mm -hmm. person, if we tell one person about the idea that you could potentially be a medium and you're, you're not mentally ill is huge. So there lies in, if we affect one, it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, affecting one, mm-hmm. one person affects a lot of people, you know, it's exactly. not really affecting one. It's affecting generations well, to ripple. come right. of humans because we keep multiplying. Well, <laughs> we, we took a look at you guys today in a little reading. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to go into it? Sure. We asked for, again, as we discussed in the the, um, creation of this reading, we asked for what's appropriate to read. And we just learned a little bit about your personalities. You want to start, Alice? (laughs) One thing that that I saw is that the two of you, you don't know what you're doing. So you're just throwing (laughs) stuff out there and see see what happens. Yes. (laughs) One thing about uh, this collaboration that is working really well for you is that it's relatively easy. You don't have a physical space. One of the reasons you collaborate is so that you can meet other people. Mm -hmm. And this is a place where you can meet other people, but it's far reaching. It's different than having a gallery space. So, So you're seeing what's happening and probably more is going to happen than you're even anticipating with this. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. And I saw a picture of um, people coming to you mm. and you didn't anticipate this. Oh, like, that, like trying that, to be that on the show. That approach you to want to be on the show. And you, the two of you are like, uh, like, I don't know if I want this. How do we let them know that they can't be on this. And this, sh- it's more, one of the, your challenges coming down the road is going to be this with friends. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, okay. And that you're going to be in a situation where they want to be put on your program and you're going to be like, Oh no, this isn't aligned in alignment with what our values are. Yeah. But what I did see is that your values are aligned really well in, and what the vibration is you want to bring into this programming. And I saw that this is an evolution again for you, uh, both of you on a spiritual level. And it's like breadcrumbs. You're following the breadcrumbs, the tiny, tiny little pebbles that are put in front of you and you're just following them. And they're going to add up to a whole loaf of bread and it's slow and going, but then it's going to take off and you're not going to know what hit you. And I Mm. also saw that, um, that's precog by the way. Okay. You're welcome here. Yeah. I would (laughs) hold on to Yeah. Um, uh, what else did I see? I just saw the way that you guys operate. One of you is more, you know, put your head down and Liz is like, let's tear off. Like, <laughs> let's look at all the big broad picture. And one of you is more focused. So this is where you meet in the in-between. Yeah. I th- I love that. No, hundred percent. Because that is totally where I'm like, I need someone to not be boring. <laughs> like yeah. I can get a little boring, not like I am, but we were, we were laughing. Cause I was like, Oh, they're us. <laughs> <laughs> they're completely us. I'm like the runaway train and Alice is pragmatic. Totally. So one of you is like a runaway train and one is more practical. And you, I'm the runaway train. 
What's so cool, honestly, like working with Sarah and what you're describing is like, we are not asking the other one to come into our lane. Sarah is not saying, be like me. And in years past, before I had a child, before I was a single parent, I could fake having a more regimented personality or be more organized in a different way because I had more time to sort of pull it off. Mm -hmm. But in this, like... I am here because of these strengths and Sarah is here because of her strengths. And that is so clear. And basically we have the conversation over and not, I mean, tacitly and then also in words like, yeah, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. Yeah. And I think because she was so clear with her boundaries up front and I know my own weaknesses. We really peeked in. It's a lovely partnership. And and I mm-hmm. saw that it was a, a good way to be social. Like you're both, I saw how active yeah. and busy you both are with your personal lives too. And it's like, this is a good excuse to um, have chiseled, measured time to be social and productive. You yeah. don't want to waste your time to some degree. Measured fun. <laughs> Which is a, a Capricorn moon. That is like the number one kind of fun I like to have. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't get too personal on this because we knew it would be public. Oh, I mean, thank you, but that's cool. Go for. There's been a lot of self reveal (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) I did want to ask: Do you feel like you get readings that are similar to things that you're dealing with at the moment as a way to help you own it and teach that idea that you teach what you're supposed to learn? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, in when we do readings. Sometimes we're getting more out of the reading than the person we're reading. What we are looking for in every single time we do a reading is something called a match. So it can be anything. We're looking for something in the topic that the person is bringing to us that we see in ourselves that's somehow related. Or we might not have seen in ourselves, but all of a sudden we see it. And we wouldn't have seen it if it weren't for having a reading in front of us. So I always thank people. Thank you for coming to me today. I needed you. And I just said it out loud today because I have a little strange body level feeling today. And I have for the past few days and I can't figure out where it's coming from. One would call it maybe anxiety, but it's not anxiety because it's in my heart. So I said out loud today, spirits, send me more readings so I can heal. Like I, I, it's driving me nuts because I want to yeah. know what's going on with my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Sometimes the matches are just so dead, dead uh, obvious. I remember dead. Like, one time having a fight with my sister and, and she's screaming at me walking down the street. She's bipolar. Um, and I yell at her. I'm like, why are you here? You don't even like me. <laughs> and then I go do a reading and this woman says, oh, I'm not getting along with my sister. It doesn't even seem like she likes me. Whoa. I was like, what? What the heck? <laughs> so sometimes matches are just like dead, dead, on. Like dead on. It's, it's dead on. interesting. And then through that reading, she she can go in and ask herself after the reading why that showed up for us. And then we dig down the rabbit hole further. And then we get to the nugget, whether it's a past life or whatever it is, something that our parents said to us when we were little or something that someone did to us on a playground, like all those things. I mean, the simplest things have affected our lives for our whole adult lives that happened at four years old or five. Right. Or lifetimes ago. Or lifetimes ago, the stuff you couldn't get in a therapist chair, Mm -hmm. the stuff before memory. How do you use past lives to inform the like feedback you give people? Or So I remember when, when we were training, we had to look at people's past lives. And we would look at their past lives before we would look at the reading. Before they give us a question. Before they even gave us a question. And we would look at two past lives. And whatever we were looking at was so dead on to whatever the question was yeah. that you... Then you're like, okay, I believe in past lives because I've, I saw, I saw this. this already. And now you, so in the first part of the reading, we would look at past lives and they would, we would not have even opened our eyes and looked at anyone. Couldn't make a judgment, nothing. Eyes closed. Oh wow. That's it. No questions asked. We just look at them energetically and we look at their, where their chakras are at. And we look at two past lives and then we take a break and then we come back and the reading then has the opportunity to ask us their questions. And Mm -hmm. then 
nine out of 10 times, those past lives were exactly what we needed for their reading. It just was an expansion. But past lives come up a lot for me. That's one of my strengths, very much one of my strengths. I mean, I guess someone probably will want to call me a past past life regressionist reader. Oh, wow. that's, okay. That's my, my, we should story. talk after this because I was told I should do a past life regression on a traumatic past lives. A good example is be like, why am I attracted to this strain, to this person who's 50 years older than me or something sure. so out of this world that you're, you know, like, what is this? And you go in and look and you're like, wow, you lived in this lifetime where, I don't know, you're a prisoner to them. I'm giving you like, I'm just throwing something out there. You're time traveling. You're in medieval times. And you, what we do is we pull the energy from that past life. And, um, we intend that all the other lifetimes that you've had with this person goes away. So you remove the energy, you take it away, you take the power off of it, you keep the memory, but take the power away from it. From it. So you're, you're shifting the energy away yeah. from it. So you can keep repeating past lives over and over and, and switching them. Yeah, we've had infinite ones. I mean, it just it depends on your belief. But I mean, I, I have to believe what I see. And my belief at this point, and it changes all the time, is that I don't believe in past lives. Let's just say that. But I call it past lives for the sake of where we are right now. Because they're all happening at the same time. I yeah, they're simultaneous. And I believe that yeah. we're living in a time where we have infinite future and past lives of this one right now. Mm. Nothing is past, but of course, for the sake of the reading, if someone's at the okay corral, I'm going to call it a past life. But what we're healing here affects those other timelines. Mm. So um, I try to you know, do as much work on, on past lives as I can just to get rid of all those old energies. Cause we have yeah. so much we're working with in our bodies just from this life. Oh my God, truly. <laughs> I feel like this is a kind of absurd question. As you were talking about past lives, I was just going back and back and back to before the humans were on the earth and then back and back to before the flying creatures and then the ocean. And now all we got is like a one little amoeba cell. And then right before that, but I'm like, if you were able to go back before anything looks like we can conceptualize in our minds, before terraforma, before where does it start? Like, what, which is day one? Because when I think of past lives, I think, and I know you're saying simultaneous, but my like human brain can't get that. Where's the like the start, the like the origin? Most of the time, we're trying to deal with relationships yeah, and with other people. That's the thing we see more than anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where patterns need to be broken. So I've seen back in the like dinosaur ages before, that's probably as far back as I've mm-hmm. gone, but usually it's like, okay, you're looking at this woman and her husband, and then you see a past life where she's the husband and he's the mm-hmm. woman, but, but it's usually. I've yeah, seen, I've gone back. Well, yeah. I see. Out of this planet too. So I get galactic information too. I don't really just, I only discuss <laughs> it with people I feel can handle the information. Otherwise it just sounds like you're, you're out to lunch really. <laughs> but um, if we say where it begins, that's a million dollar question, but I, I do see things in, in like, um, I don't know even how to explain it, like dimensional, dimensional phases. And in readings, I do see sometimes the spirit as a disembodied, like just matter in a collective place. And I explain those places that I go to and I just try my best to explain it. Like the reason why you can't sleep at night is because you're still connected to this other planet or this other place and this other place, you don't have bodies, but you're here on this planet right now collecting intelligence. So you have this pipeline that connects you and it's keeping you <laughs> awake at night. So let's look and see if we can this with whatever group of people we're talking yeah. with right now. And, and on, on a tangible level yeah. here on earth, this is very limited. This is just earth. We have so much out yeah. there. And I speak from, from what I'm seeing when I get galactic, which in the next dimension astral, I see they have problems just like we do here in different planets and places. And it's not all kumbaya and, you know, pastoral fields <laughs> and lambs. In this lifetime on earth, the farthest back I've seen is of myself being a rock. Responsibility was something I was meditating on 
and why I feel so responsible for everything, whether it be family or community or world, whatever it is. It's big to have responsibility. And I, my reading led to me as a life of a rock. And I felt guilty because there was a little overhang of the rock and the mm. grass couldn't grow. <laughs> oh, my and God. I'm saying, I'm saying this publicly. So I really, you know, this is the first on that one. <laughs> no judgment. Someone I just spoke to said she was a tree. My curiosity around that is, well, when did your soul in the life of the physical object of the rock, the vessel of the rock, when did your soul enter it? And then when did it leave and why? Those are all huge questions. Totally. I think we've been everything from minerals to animals. Yeah. We've evolved into all kinds of different things since the advent of the earth to right. play out this theater that we're in. You know, one yeah. thing all of this does, everything that we've learned has given me a belief system. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, a religion that's taught me what to do. It's looking at things differently that's created this. So I believe in past lives because I've seen past lives. So now I believe in reincarnation fully. It's like anyone who's ever seen a ghost believes in ghosts, right? Right. If you've never Mm -hmm. seen a ghost, you don't believe in ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. You have to experience it. Yeah. But it, it, and then also with the intuition and with coincidence because coincidence is a huge part of our life. And that's one thing. If we're looking outward, we see those coincidences. It brings me a a feeling of safety. And you know how the kids call it like, oh, that was totally random, which is anything but random. Sure. (laughs) So if you're thinking of something and then you see it, to me, it, it brings a smile to my face. Like, okay, I'm, I'm on the right Right. track. Right. I'm, I'm paying attention I'm connected. Well, that co- comes with awareness. When you work on yourself and you start doing the things you're supposed to do for yourself and maybe have good practices, you have awareness. But literally every day, every action, every everything is t- telling us something, is giving us information. Even how we drink our coffee or tea, it's all in front of us. We're talking about the we versus the I. And when yeah. we do start thinking outside of ourselves, we start seeing these Signs, I yeah. would say. And patterns. And patterns. Everything is a pattern. It's mathematical. Autism, too, mm-hmm. the pattern seeking. I might get reamed for this because this is public, but, you know, they, they're the saviors of our world. Autistic kids, the kids we call on the spectrum. They've put names to children, like indigo children. They, I, I keep labeling and naming things because then we assign it this, this con- it gets put into a construct. Yeah. Is there anything you feel like we've missed in terms of you would like to explain in order to have people understand more deeply? There's one thought that keeps sticking in my head. When we talk about the we, I keep thinking about Anish Kapoor because I saw a documentary about him and he kept talking about his studio, not about himself. He said, and then we did this and now we're working on this. And he included his whole team mm-hmm. as the we. And and I haven't forgotten about that. I probably saw that 10 years ago. Well, that does bring up something I was going to say earlier. Being in San Francisco with the serious socialist vibes that we have within the art scene. I don't know if you saw that movie mm-hmm. called Tell Them We Were Here mm-hmm. by Griff Williams. Yeah. And he really prioritized people who worked in this social practice way. I hadn't previously been exposed to that model of community building or non-hierarchical art making before I grad school. But, you know, I feel like being here for as long as I have opened my eyes to what it is to create a different model, even if it isn't necessarily scaled up at this point, but just how generous a community of artists can be, even artists who don't even have that much. I'm curious, there is something about being here in San Francisco that is important to you guys or becomes more important to the way that we're all living in the we. People should go watch the video about inflation that you did and talking about how it's going to require like a greater Mm -hmm. interdependence. San Francisco is still considered the Wild West. That's why people come here. That's why people come to California, because they can do what they want. They can be who they want. I remember recently listening to a man from India who was trying to start a business there and they told him it was going to take 
a, a year and a half to get a telephone. And he was like, all right, I'm out of here. So he, he went to Silicon Valley. Now he's a, some sort of venture capitalist. But I think things happen quickly here when you're talking about kind of that social aspect of of things. I, I think those are people who are thinking about the we. They're, mm-hmm. They are thinking outside of themselves. It's not the the white man up on a pedestal creating these big monuments anymore. It's people creating work for each other. And I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of power in that. It's very generous to do that. If you get back to the community here, it will get back to you a hundred percent. Right. On that note, Liz, did you have something else that you were? No, now it's time to plug what you got. So Alice and I are right now, we have three workshops that we teach. You need to look into our website to see when we're running them because we haven't done an in-person in a long time. But those are great for people at the local level because they have us in person and we do some really fun experientials. Yeah. If you want to invite us to come do one of these workshops, anybody. They're fun. They're super fun and they blow people's minds and then they show people how powerful they are. Mm-hmm. In a really simple and easy way. Yeah, we do one that's trusting your intuition. Another one is on boundaries. And the other one is about understanding what your body's trying to communicate to you. Mm. So those are our three core workshops. They're easy and fun. Yeah, they're about an hour and a half workshops. Oh, our website's Pivot Workshops. And if you want to be in the know um, about upcoming events, you can sign up for our um mailing list. We have an Instagram that's really underutilized, but if you start joining in there, you'll see what we're doing. And right now we're creating a bunch of content to be self-paced online learning. So stay tuned for that. It's just Alice and I have decided to take on learning how to do everything by ourselves. Isn't that right? I mean, that is the thing now that like as an artist, you have to be a full scale action company. It's crazy how much you have to do now on your own, but also that you can do. Yes. There's any young folks out there that want to come and do an internship with Alice and I, we're putting that out there. What if somebody isn't young? Oh no. Well, I only I say you a computer. You tech savvy. Yeah. Challenged with our like technological yeah, fair stuff. Enough, fair yeah. enough. Uh, I just yeah. signed up for your newsletter right that. now. Yeah. On the. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, just signing up for our newsletter will keep you in the know. And so, so will our Instagram because we always post on Instagram what we're doing and we decide at the last minute what things we're going to put out there. So we also do corporate work so we can create whatever you would like. We actually kind of know what people need when they approach us and we can hand cultivate something for your company or organizations for your team that's specific to just your group. I would not be taught elsewhere. Like, you know, we're having problems with this. Well, we would go into oh, training and look at it Taylor and it. tell yeah. them what they need. Amazing. So on site or Zoom, we could do a medley of things. And just, that, just at its basic level, coming to learn how to meditate with us is, is would be great. We don't teach a belief system. We teach tools because once you learn the tools and you utilize them, you'll have our, the information we receive. Yeah. It's just universal knowledge. Right. I didn't even know what that was. I, I didn't read spiritual books before opening up, before my awakening. I just kept saying, it's just, there's this information that everyone just knows. You just know it. And then I was like, after that reading books, I was like, oh, it's called universal knowledge. <laughs> okay. We might have to talk about your awakening as clairvoyant. I went back to school after waking up and wrote about this, went down the rabbit hole for two years writing about it. And I wrote about my meditative journey from here to there. And I wrote about my areas where I was awake and asleep throughout life. Because my grandmother was uh, a psychic, my cousin's a medium, another cousin's an intuitive. So it wasn't far from my family's line. So it was, you know, I had an understanding about my childhood and why I walked the path I did, which was the path least traveled. I definitely never stopped being this way my whole life, even though society wanted to push me in a different direction. Oh, yeah. We can't have a normal job. Neither one of us. Neither one of us. (laughs) Have you been fired from them? Yes. yes. Not me because I couldn't. I've never had a real job ever. I recently did. And um, I got fired. And I said, no, but you're not firing me this month. You can fire me next month. (laughs) And they took really kindly to that, I'm sure. (laughs) One of the, the ways... We had our awakening, and yeah. one of the things we share in common is Lisa and I both came to this work from a horribly traumatic experience, yeah. and and that's one of the reasons we wanted to teach 
people how to use these abilities is to avoid the traumatic experience. But so many people end up doing something like this because they're forced into it. I got robbed at gunpoint and my intuition was telling me to turn around and I wasn't listening to it. And, And it's traumatizing and I'll never be the same. But at the same time, I thank that man who did that because he sent me in a new mm. direction. When I went back to school, that was my big question. Why do we have to reach a point of trauma to yeah. get to this place? And, um, but then it, through that exploration and the, that writing, and I learned a lot about my own family story and how I got from A to Z and what happened within our society as well, where the conditioning came from, because we didn't always operate like this. We've gone in and out of consciousness collectively, globally. And I just had to understand more about that. It helped me a lot to write. And I, I encourage people when they're working on the eye to do some writing. I have a healer who told me that if you're not going on the right path, the universe will give you nudges. And if you don't pay attention to those nudges, the universe is going to give you a slap. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get a knockdown next, right. which we got the knockdown of three strikes. I always <laughs> call it, from learning that from her, I call it the tap the nudge and the knockout. We both got knocked out. And it's just, it's pretty sad to think that most of society will not try to work on themselves until they have fallen and they're desperate. That is the goal, right? To get people to the place where they're able to see the nudges and not have to take the hard route. But the, the, the best part about this is, is that once you have these tools, you show up to your challenges with more grace. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're just, I think, in this lifetime looking for contentment <laughs> and grace. Mm. And everyone's fishing for it in different ways. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. I feel like now I, I handle things so much better than I Same. did before. Same. Things come my way. And I'm like, well, like the pandemic, I was like, well, oh, okay. well here we go. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Same. My world, everybody. <laughs> Interesting. So you felt like this is how I normally spend my days, like inside a lot. Yeah, looking at the corners of the walls. That's hilarious. <laughs> I do feel like that was the turning point for me to get really in touch with my mediumship because I was faced with prolonged isolation and I ended up buying a ton of esoteric books and doing a lot of reading mm-hmm. and then signing up for random like online classes and And there lies in circling back to the beginning of the podcast for all these people who have been working on the eyes, looking for their we's, their partnerships to help them work more stuff out. Right. (laughs) There's an opening in the consciousness. We're entering a new phase. A big new phase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think there was before the pandemic and there's after the pandemic and nothing's the same. All those people who wanted things to go back to the way they were, nothing's the way it was. The energy is still out there on the streets, the way people drive. Do you think they're driving better or is there like a late rage? No, misdirected energy, like during the thick of the lockdown, there's just people driving on the road and going like full road rage with no direction. And and, Alice, and no one in their way because there was no traffic. There was no traffic. <laughs> we were talking to to law enforcement folks and they were talking about this road rage with no nowhere to Put it. Yeah. Yeah, during the pandemic, they were mostly showing up wow. to high-speed crashes. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys, stereotypically enough, I have to get ready to go pick up my child at his unschool. Cool. Thank you so much <laughs> for your words and your time. Yeah, thanks for yeah, having me. Thank yeah. you so much. We'd love to have All you right. back on another time. Of course, if a topic comes up, we'd love to throw it out okay, there. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for side-wooing with us. We release episodes every other week on Thursday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast for good karma points. Until we meet again in the woo.